It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Is anybody even out there anymore? I figure after the financial markets have dropped as much as they have in the last few weeks, uh, everybody's probably decided that the best course of action at this point is to quit looking at their portfolio, give up, and realize that um, you know this thing is a little bit harder than they might have realized. Welcome to the show, guys. This is Brian Preston. I am the host for the Money Guy podcast. We are here to restore order to your financial chaos. Uh, it's been a crazy two weeks here, and um, you probably everybody's gotten their July monthly statements and seen that July was not a great month. Wait until those August statements come out, the way things are going right now. But I've got a focus of today's show that should help you out. We're going to take some concepts that the, the mega wealthy are using to help you protect your investments and your financial situation during an uncertain and even, yes, maybe even a down market. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I, I hope you, you can stick around, hang in there with us, give you some tools here to equip you to make the right decisions so that you can do everything that you need to um, to make the right decisions that will protect you and your family's finances. So I want to give you some um, real quick feedback. First of all, you guys have been the biggest asset I could ever have by all the comments y'all put out there on iTunes. I really, really appreciate it. Some of that is starting to bear fruit. And I want to give you guys a real quick update. Won't take too long, but I, I can't help but tell you some of these things that are going on. First of all, I have um, gotten some recognition recently. Because of this podcast, uh, we we have been offered a radio show, radio show here in the Atlanta marketplace with... AM 1160, which is the business network here in Atlanta, um, called the WCFO or the CFO. And we're going to be, starting in September, we're going to be getting a show from 11 a.m. to noon on Mondays, where we're really going to, all we're going to do is repackage these podcasts, take them out to the airwaves. So you'll notice that uh, I'm not, unfortunately, I'm going to lose, there's going to be a few content changes in the fact that um, I'm not going to be able to talk just about the podcast anymore because now we're taking the same show will be rebroadcast out there on the airwaves as well on the AM station. So some of that stuff's going to drop off. But I think the good side is is that now y'all are getting, since this is going to be a weekly show, you will be getting more shows from me. A lot of you have sent me emails saying, Brian, I wish you could do us more shows. But realize this is still just a hobby. It's a hobby that's starting to bear fruit and take us into places that we never anticipated. But um, I'm pretty daggum excited about it, as you can imagine. Now, I do want to go ahead and warn you guys, because this might be, I don't know, I think we have enough weeks before September. We'll get one more podcast in, but um, the format will change a little bit. It's not, you know, it's going to sound like you'll you'll see where I say we're going to break, and then it'll kick right back in to where the show picks up, because there won't be commercials currently in the podcast, but there will be commercials when we go on the AM airwaves. So bear with me. Um, through some of these changes, but these are good steps. These are steps that are getting us attention out there, letting us grow market share, get more listeners, and you are a big part of that. Another exciting thing that's happened recently is I know y'all have seen that Rupert Murdoch um, acquired the Wall Street Journal. And um, part of, um, you can just kind of see the plan developing and coming together. They also, Fox News is spinning off a new network called the Fox Business Network that's going to be... um, 
I don't think I won't I don't want to say very similar to CNBC, but it is going to have a business focus, and it's going to be a rival of CNBC. And I was um, shocked to get a call from a talent manager from somebody at Fox Business Network that they had my name had come up um, in discussions about contributors to the show to some of their shows that they're developing. So I'm pretty excited that network's going live on October 15th. I don't know if anything's going to come out of it, but it's still pretty pretty exciting that um, I'm even being considered uh, for some of this stuff just because of this podcast that I'm recording in my in my office over here on the south side of Atlanta. So you guys, I owe a huge thank you for, um, too, I should say, and I appreciate all your support. I appreciate you telling your family and friends. I appreciate you subscribing to the um, Wealth Report, which is our print newsletter. I'll tell you the details on that at the end of the show. Uh, but I think I, I've gone enough off topic, but I couldn't help because I feel like a lot of you have um, bought into the show. You feel like you know me. Uh, I can tell that from the emails and the other things you send me, and I just want to thank you for um, being a big part of it and, and helping us grow through this thing. Uh, if you want to contact the show, my email address is Brian. I, I spell it with the I. That's B-R-I-A-N at money guy.com and then if you just want to go get show notes because we're going to have tons of really good information today and you're going to want to look at some of these links you're going to want to look at these show notes you need to go out to our website which is money-guy.com and what you also might want to consider doing for future podcast shows is on the left hand side of the screen we do have an email newsletter you can subscribe to um, you just type in your email address, confirm it when we shoot you an email out, and then you will get these show notes emailed to you directly whenever we update the show. It's a really a nice um, tool that you can use to enjoy the show because the links all work on the email that comes out as well. So let's jump right in here. Uh, the financial markets have been a roller coaster for the last few weeks, and by all indications, I'll go ahead and tell you, you need to buckle your seatbelts because this could continue for quite some time. It's times like this that you need to to really reevaluate and um, make sure that your situation reflects your level of risk. We all have a tendency when things are really good, that greed factor kicks in, and we kind of think that we can handle more risk than we actually can. And maybe instead of diversifying into some of those boring asset classes, sometimes I think we jump in there a little further then we should. Maybe we get out there to the um, waist, then chest level, and right as we're about to get our head under the water, we need to make sure we evaluate that risk level. And also, this is an opportunity to make sure, as I've already mentioned, that um, your idea of diversification extends way beyond just traditional stocks, bonds, and cash. And that's what you see in a lot of these 401ks out there. So if you're one of these 401k um, providers for your employer, if you, you know your employees, you, you're in charge of evaluating 401ks and stuff. Make a, make sure that your 401k is giving your employees a fair shake at it. That you've got more asset classes than just cash, bonds, and stocks, and primarily in those stocks, just large cap stocks, because that's not going to do it. Um, as I get into today's topic, you'll hear some of the classes that I think are going to do well. And also, remember diversification is that element of your portfolio that's going to let you consistently try to win two-thirds to three-quarters of the upside returns of, the, of a rising market, but it's also the tool that's going to help you if the market starts to tank or adjust like we're seeing in this current marketplace so from all the credit fears out there. Uh, you only will participate hopefully less than 50%, meaning the market's down 20%. Hopefully you're going to be down less than 10 to 8%, somewhere in there. So that way you're not giving up the farm just while the market's in this adjustment period. 
on today's show, I'm going to um, really be discussing the benefits of using uh, an asset class that Morningstar has created as one of their Morningstar categories that they start doing research and giving you category averages. It's exciting. These funds have been around for a number of years, but they, they've become popular enough in recent times that we've actually got a Morningstar category, and they're titled Long Short Funds. And I'm going to get into what that means. As many of you are aware, I'm a partner down here on the south side of Atlanta for a firm called Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Um, we have two offices. We have one down here on the south side of Atlanta. That's that's where I'm at. And then we have another branch out there in Augusta, Georgia. And it's run by uh, the other partner of the firm, which is Bill Cleveland. And I've joked with you guys that Bill is actually the smart partner. He's the one that, um, when I went out on my own uh, in 2002, um, Bill went out in 2004. And I remember him giving me that email and that phone call asking if we wanted to join forces. And I, of course, jumped on the idea because I had worked with Bill um, back a number of years uh, at the previous firm I was at before I went out on my own. And he is super, super sharp. Uh, so I was excited to do it. But, well, Bill has gotten some recognition in um, a magazine that's out there that's primarily used by physicians and people in the um, medical industry to, um, known as medical economics. And Bill had an article that says, uh, make money with long short funds. And it came out in the July 20th, 2007 issue, which is, you know, the, the previous issue out there. And I've provided a link on our website if you want to go check out the full article. But I think after you listen to, to our show today and then reading Bill's article, you're going to see that this asset class just might be, no pun intended, what the doctor ordered to really help your portfolio during this crazy, uncertain time out there that you might start losing some sleep over. The timing could not be better for this article to come out. Now, I remember Bill was working on this back in May and June, so it's just kind of, you know, and that was a the best times out there. It seemed like it was good times rock and roll party time. And now we're finding out that um, this credit problem might extend a little further than we realized here in the United States. And then we even have these German banks that are starting to get on tr in, in trouble. And then some fr uh, I saw some articles about France even had some issues. So this is extending beyond just the domestic marketplace. But I will, before I jump into a little further, I do want to tell you, I think that... Um, where the opportunities go come in the coming months, if the, the if the U.S. economy is dragged down by some of these subprime, and now it's even going beyond subprime lenders, is going into the lenders that were doing other loans as well. Uh, it's just this real estate glut of of the good times that we were enjoying to the excess point that now we're kind of being you know squeezed and squeezed until we get all that excess back out of us it's going to pull on the US economy so i think some of the opportunities that are going to lie in in the in the coming months and period is going to continue to be out there in the international marketplace too so you want to make sure that you're not just buying when you talk about equities and stocks you don't want to just be talk, buying just united states companies i think you do need to make sure that you're you're looking at this world uh, as a little bit smaller place and buying outside the united states as well and then this asset class i'm talking about today most of you, I, I would, because you don't hear about this stuff on a lot of the, the TV networks, you very rarely see articles about these funds and um, the financial publications. These are the kind of like the, the little secret tool that's used by all of us professionals out there because it allows you to act like a hedge fund 
um, you know, use some of the things that will protect you on a downside uh, for the average investor. You know, you don't have to, to spend a lot of money. So let's get into what is a long, short mutual fund. Uh, a long, short fund is really, and I've kind of hit on this already a little bit, it takes advantage of a technique that many hedge fund managers use that allows them really to make money in both a rising marketplace where the market's making money, everybody's happy, and it also allows them to make money in a downturning marketplace through short positions. Through the upside, they make money off of their long positions. That's a traditional form of investing I'm about to talk about. But then they also try to take advantage of when markets are down by shorting positions. Now, the hedge funds that I'm going to talk about today, or long short funds, I should say, are are not the crazy, crazy, aggressive funds that are getting in a lot of trouble out there right now. The funds that I'm talking about today are supposed to be uh, more of a, a, a stabilizer of your portfolio during this crazy time. And I think you're going to see that if you go out there and check out some of these links. But let's talk about, when I talk about the the, the term long positions, I'm meaning that if you're taking a long position or the managers of these long short funds are taking a long position, they're buying stocks expecting that at some point in the future they're going to rise in value and then they can be sold at a gain. This is what we're all used to doing. This is, this is what you're taught is the most basic form of investing is, you know, that buy and hold strategy where you buy at a cheap price, buy low, sell high. Um, that's what long positions are looking to take advantage of. The other side of the coin, though, because this is, you know, with financial instruments, there's always a creative side. You can find ways to make money in all types of markets. You, you take advantage of short positions. And this technique allows managers to make a profit by really anticipating when a stock price is um, possibly going to decline or a stock is overvalued. And, and then they'll do what's called short selling, where they will um, borrow shares of, of a stock out there immediately sell it even though they don't own it. So they're, they're borrowing the right to go ahead and sell this share without owning it. And then with the anticipation that they're hoping that this stock, that their hunch is right, that their valuations are right, and this stock is going to get beat up and go down in value, and then they can buy back the shares that they've already sold at a cheaper price and pocket the profit. I mean, that's a pretty daggum exciting thing that they can, um, you know, somebody was creative enough to come up with this idea. It is... Um, a little scary because you know uh, the stocks are limited on how far they can go down. You can't go any lower than zero. But if you short the wrong stock, it's unlimited, infinite on how high a stock can go. Now, realistically, you know, realistically, stocks don't go up, um, you know, from one to a hundred overnight. But it is one of those things you have to take into account when you're evaluating the risk of the managers. That's why you got to be very important on the horse that you choose to ride with, and that's the manager, the fund manager. You want to look at their background, their education, their experience. Make sure this isn't their first rodeo and they're not green behind the ears and, and really breaking into their chops on how to, uh, how to manage people's money. So um, that's how short positions work. And this type of money management is, of course, complex. But it does provide some downside protection in the market if we hit these uncertain times like we've seen recently. So let me give you some examples, because now that I've told you how these funds work, how they're structured, you're probably going, yeah, Brian, I haven't heard much about this asset class, but what have these guys really done that makes you think that this is going to help me during a down market? Well, check out the, these examples. 
The Hussman Strategic Growth Fund, that's one of the funds I want to talk about today, made 14% in 2002. And you can remember 2002 was a bloodbath. That was the year that, you know, we'd already been down 2000. We'd already been down 2001. And then 2002 came around. And that's when I don't want to use gross terms, but that was the, the year that the market really puked it up. That's when investors just looked at themselves, looked in the mirror, woke up and said, God, how could I have been so stupid? I'm so tired of anything that that is has any involvement with the stock market. All I seem to do is lose, lose, lose. I'm getting the heck out of this thing. And and that's the world's worst thing you can do from a I know it's psychologically you get beat down, but financially it's the worst thing you can do out there. And and that's the period of time 2002 was dreadful. The stock market, the S&P 500 dropped 22% in 2002 alone. And you have to add that to um the fact that it was down in 2000 as well as 2001. You can see exponentially this was huge. The compound factor of what this was doing to retirement accounts was awful. But this fund, the Hudson Strategic Growth Fund, made 14% in that year. Do you see the spread in that? If you, you know, the 22% down is what the S&P 500 was. This fund made 14%. It outperformed the broad market by 36%. That is huge. Um, another fund, to give you an example, Merger Fund. Uh, it returned 18% in 2000, and that was the year that the S&P 500 dropped over 9%. So see, there there are asset classes that do make money no matter what the financial media is telling you out there. You can make money even in down markets. So if you use these funds, they provide you really with a similar type of diversification that the wealthiest families are using in their private hedge funds. And, and without having to meet this... Um, and I'm using the quote symbol, accredited investor status. And all that is, that's a fancy way of saying people that have mega net worth or pretty good high net worth or earn a large, large annual income. So accredited investors just means you're loaded. Um, when I talk about this asset class, I refer to them really as absolute return funds. And, and what I mean by that when I say absolute return funds is these funds are looking to make money no matter what the stock market is doing. This is really different from a, a traditional mutual fund that, that has a, a stated goal of really trying to have relative performance. And when I talk about the difference between these things, a relative performance means they're just trying to beat the index. And a good example that Bill uses in his article uh, that we use for the primary focus of, of this whole podcast was that the, if the S&P 500 was down 15% and you had a manager who was um, only down 10%, on a relative basis, they outperformed the market by 5%. But still, if you're trying to look at an absolute basis, they were down over 10%. So we want a fund that's not going to just beat the market during down times. We want a fund that's actually going to make us some money. Add to the to, to the to the the upside um, when everything else is losing. So that way, if you're in retirement, uh, you you've got something out there still working for you. And I'll tell you another area that this is really this asset class works is if you're a young investor, because I know there's a lot of you out there that are young, up on your technology, listening to this show. Um, you don't have to buy bonds as that stabilizer. I think bonds for for young people can be really too boring, too stiff, and not do everything you want to. So you can buy some of these conservative, long, short mutual funds 
uh, the, to replace your bond exposure, and they do a really good job. And, and that, that leads to the next point, is you're probably scratching your head out there going, well, Brian, if these things do well during down markets, what's the risk? Because I keep reading all these articles about hedge funds that are getting killed out there, that are defaulting, bear sterns, you know, causing problems with the whole financial marketplace. So why are you bringing up funds that use hedge techniques during this awful time when hedge funds are part of the problem with, with the way they've structured some of their financing and other things that has caused this market to have this, this turmoil out there and the volatility right now. Remember, this is just using one of the techniques out there. And these all the funds that I'm talking about today are known as pretty conservative um, funds in this asset class, the long-short asset category. So if you look at the, the funds that we're talking about here, the um, over the last 10 years, long-short funds as a category have returned 7.3% with only a slightly higher risk level than a 10-year Treasury note, which is yielding now less than 5%. So you, you can kind of see how you're getting a premium there without taking much more risk. And, and it's nice that you've got something working for you when the market's getting beaten up. So the risk is not the thing that's pushing this over the edge. Now, these things are not the um, angels of the world. They're not going to change your life. They don't wash your clothes. They don't fold your clothes. They don't um, make money every day. They do have a wart to them. They're not perfect. Because you might be asking yourself, is there a downside or a weakness to this type of investment? And, and I'll tell you the short answer is yes, of course. Nothing's perfect. Um, you know, especially in financial instruments, I should say. But when the, the broad, you, you can think about the downside of these is, is that when the broad market, the S&P 500, is really having a banner year, knocking it out of the park, doing everything they can right. You know, they're making all the active managers who are diversifying looking like idiots. When the market's making over 20%, these funds probably aren't going to do as much for you. So look at this. When the broad markets have had big runs, uh, the long, short mutual fund category, is not shared in all the gains. In 2003, for example, when the S&P 500 made nearly 29%. Remember in 2002, though, it lost 22%. Everybody had given up, gone home, packed it up, said, I'm never investing in stocks again. And then, Lord and behold, look what happens the next year. 2003 comes along, and the stock market recovers and makes 29%. But nobody's in there because everybody else gave up already. But they did make 29%. Long short funds only made 9% that year. I still think 9% is a very healthy, but um, in, a, in a year that the markets made 29%, you can see that's 20% um, outperformance by the index, but take into account that the previous year, the long short funds outperformed the index by 36%. So you can kind of see it's all relative. I always tell people anybody can make money when the market's going up because a rising, uh, you know, rising water lifts all boats. But I'll tell you where people who in my position earn their money is when things start to get ugly. I always say that I actually pick up more clients when the market gets hammered than I do in an up market because everybody thinks they're a genius when the market's going up. It's easy to make money. They've had so many studies where people have thrown darts at boards. They've you know, taken monkeys and let them you know, wherever they poked holes in the newspapers, the stocks they bought. Anybody can make money in an up market. Let's see 
how well you do when things get ugly. And that's what we're here for. I'm trying to give you a little bit of some of these tools that I use. But it also, if you're one of these people that's already been there, done that, made your money, picked up your marbles, ready to go home into retirement, and are scared that now maybe your decisions are impacting your future financial life, this might be the time you need to go reevaluate and see if you need a financial advisor. Because if anything, I don't care how smart you are, all my engineers, all my attorneys, all my doctors, there comes a time that you might need somebody to look over your shoulder and say, yeah, I think you're going to be okay in retirement. And that's where you know a, a professional money manager, uh, a fee-only financial planner who, who has all these, pool, you know, these tools and tricks can help you make sure that you know, what you're doing is um, really protect you from yourself and also to protect you from when markets go down three years in a row and you're thinking about giving up altogether on this, this word of equity and stocks, you know, that person, that advisor can talk you into hanging in there for an extra year, two years, you know, making sure that diversification's right there, that you can weather the storm and don't get out and look like a sucker when um, things go, uh, go up exponentially the next year. So now that I've told you all the things about long short funds, um, you're probably saying, well, how much should I put in this? If it's got warts, I always tell people, based upon your risk level, you might want to consider 10 to 20% in these type of funds. And um, that's that's not a, a complete recommendation. That's just something for you to consider. You have to make your own decisions based upon your risk level and your personal financial situation. But if you're trying to know what things to look for in these long, short funds, when you go out there and start looking on the Internet, you want to make sure that the expense ratio is much lower than the group average. The group average for this fund category is 2.2%. That's a little high. So I think you want to, you know, because remember the average mutual fund's one and a half percent. These are two point two. You you can see how this really starts to hurt you if you if you've got all this money out there and they're, and they're so laden with fees. But I've found you some funds that I'm going to recommend um, that that aren't so so fee heavy because I, I do think the two biggest things that I mentioned. I know a few of you have caught on because you've sent me emails are taxes and fees. You want to watch how much you're spending on this stuff. Pay attention to, to the fee structure because you want to be well below that 2.2%, which is the category average. Um, their annual returns also need to be pretty much always in the black. It's okay if they have a minimal red year, down year, but you really want to try to keep this thing. You want to buy a fund because, remember, these are absolute return funds. You're counting on them to make money every year, even in years that the market has a stop, uh, a really steep decline out there. Um, because they should make money no matter what's going on. So the last thing you want to look for is you want to look for, there's a term called correlation to the market. You want to go, and that, there, there's a number out there, and you want to go look at that correlation and see 1% is usually the market. I mean, 1 is the market. You want to see how well below, or 100%, you know, 1 is actually 100%. You want to get a, a correlation. I like to see a correlation less than 30%. Or 0.30. So you want to go out there and make sure that you got a, a fund that has a low correlation with the broad stock market. So what did Bill recommend in his article as a suggestion? I shouldn't use the word recommend, but um, as a suggestion, you might want to consider looking out there at the Gateway Fund. On the site, we do have a, a link to their website. Um, he also found the Hussman Strategic Growth Fund and the Merger Fund. If you're looking at fee structure, the Gateway Fund has an internal expense of about 1%. Hussman has a, an internal expense of 1.1%, and then the merger fund has an internal expense of 1.4%. They're all very much below that 2.2% average. And um, these funds, as I've already detailed, have done very well in down markets. It's something for you to consider um, uh, 
because they, they, I think they can offer some stabilization. Another fund I do want to mention, and I, I, I cringe a little bit about doing this because um, it has been a dog for really since, you know, 2003, 2004, 2005. 2006, this thing was a dog for, for quite a while, but it made me a lot of money in the year 2000. This was my baby um, that I was so glad I had it in my portfolio in 2000 because it made me look like a genius to some of my clients. Well, it looks like they're having another one of their years, and it's a local firm here in Georgia. It's, it's a firm called Caldwell Norkin. They have a fund called the Caldwell Norkin Market Opportunity Fund that um, is doing very well this year. I do want to caution you, though, because go look at their historical performance. They have, um, they tend to, tend to be, during some uptimes, not willing to switch, flip that switch that puts them as um, optimists. They kind of um, are very much on the bear side a good bit of the time, some pessimists, I guess you would say. But um, they have done just lights out this year, and I'm so glad that I kept them in a lot of my client portfolios because they are, once again, just like in 2000, in the year 2007, right now in the month of August, making me look like a genius in that aspect. So go look at some of these funds. I think that you're going to see that um, they can stabilize your portfolio a little bit for a portion of it so that you're not losing it on all sides. I hope this helps you out. I also want to talk about the the wealth report. Um, first of all, if you if you paid for a subscription, and I'm counting on you to be honest with me, I mean, we had so many taken advantage of the uh, offer that we made in July that um, I hope I kept up with everybody. If you didn't get, and I don't trust the, the Postal Service either, so if you didn't get a wealth report, you know, email me. Don't take advantage and lie to me and say you paid and, and then you didn't because I am a good cross-reference. But if you didn't get your, your wealth report for the second quarter, um, you know, Email me at brian at money-guy.com. I just want to make sure there's nobody out there going, that that son of a gun, Brian Preston, never gave me that wealth report issue that I paid for through PayPal. I just want to make sure everybody's got what they're supposed to. But we have, I got the um, third quarter wealth report is sitting in the office here. I've um, started getting um, the assistance to help me prepare the labels so we can get these things out in the next few days. So they're coming. But if you'd like to be a new subscriber to the wealth report, it's only $29 a year, and it's a print newsletter. I don't have it in e you know, in an email format yet. I know that's been a question from quite a few people, but we do have it in the print format, and it's really going to be your guide to help you make the right financial decisions with your finances. And all the proceeds do directly go to this podcast and show to help run and pay for the expenses of all the nice equipment that I've got here in the office studio. So what's in this quarter, this um, third quarter? Because I, I don't want you to just think about it as just helping the show. I want you to actually get some value out of this. So we put some great topics in there. We've got the dollars week and how has it affected U.S. investors. There's a reason the Federal Reserve says that inflation is still a concern, even with all the turmoil going out there in the financial marketplace. It's because the dollar is super weak and it's causing, it's great for, you know, company countries buying our goods because we look dirt cheap, but I'll tell you, it's making things very expensive for us outside the United States. Um, also, avoiding mistakes on IRA rollovers, things you need to consider there. Update on college saving plans. Eight ways to save on life insurance and why you should avoid direct debit cards and you can check all this out on the website, and you can pay for this um, $29 annual fee 
through PayPal. My PayPal email address is Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. Or you can um, go to the website, money-guy.com. We have a donation box on the left-hand side. Just click on that. It'll take you right to the PayPal link. You can just write in under comments or something. You know, that Brian, I want the Wealth Report newsletter. I'll get it out to you. Or you can send it the snail mail way and send me a check. I've got the address and who to make the check payable out there on the website as well. But thanks so much, guys. Once again, this success that I've got coming my way um, from this podcast is due to you. Only you could have allowed me to do this, and I really appreciate it. Until next time, I really do hope that God bless you with good opportunities, good family, friends, health, and, of course, future wealth. I'll talk to you soon. This is Brian. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.